So we've been talking, of course, the last few weeks about the last couple of weeks about encounter. Since we've been back since since Christmas, about encountering, um, about encountering God, and yeah, it's been it's been awesome. It's really blessed me, really spoken to me personally on so many on so many ways. Um, we had a great encounter night on Thursday night. Um, if you weren't there, you, what I can say is you missed out. That's all I can say. I don't mean to say I don't mean to say you can't encounter Jesus again. Of course you can. Okay, you haven't missed your encounters with Jesus, but it was a great night. It was a really powerful. It was a really powerful night. So, yeah, it was it was awesome. But we continue to believe over your lives and our own lives just for continual encounters uh, with Jesus. And what we looked at last week was um, we looked specifically at kind of three uh, three people who had encounters with Jesus, and, and you could, there's so many you could look at. It was just encounter, encounter, encounter between people in Jesus, and Jesus radically changing people's lives. We looked at Nicodemus, and, and who was one of the Pharisees, one of the teachers of the law, how Jesus corrected his wrong theology and replaced religion with a relationship. We looked at the Samaritan woman who, who Jesus spoke to and uh, kind of confronted on some issues or challenged her on some issues going on in her life, but she was completely changed by, by his presence. And a whole load of other people were changed by her encounter as well. She became a great little witness for Jesus. And, and we looked at the woman with the issue of blood and she experienced he- healing and, and wholeness as she reached out in faith to Jesus. And there, there she could be, could be tons. I mean, it could be the entire series for an entire year or longer, couldn't it? Just talking about the encounters with Jesus. And, and, and the encounters of God, of course, that happened in the Old Testament. Old Testament as well, you know. And, but Nicodemus, his thinking was transformed. A Samaritan woman, his lifestyle was tra- his, her lifestyle was transformed, and the woman with the issue of blood, her health was transformed. And we talked about posturing ourselves uh, for, a, for an encounter, yeah, not, being, not being passive, not procrastinating, you know, but just being, posturing ourselves you know, for an encounter, get, dealing with pride. That's kind of those four Ps that we talked about last week. So I'd encourage you to catch up on that. And, of course, we've gone into our week of uh, prayer and fasting. I guess I, 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 now I'm sure you've had a very blessed week. Just, just encountering Jesus through this time of prayer and fasting. And of course, we're going to be ending the fast with our family lunch all together after the service. Praise, praise God. But I just want to just bring out just some, just some uh, further thoughts on encounter uh, this morning, which I believe is going to really just really speak into your lives. And it's just a really good way of just kind of ending this, ending this encounter. Don't forget, next Sunday is Vision Sunday, um, our annual um, well, annual Vision Sunday, which we always do at the end of January. So I'd really encourage you to be here next, to make every effort to be here next Sunday. Um, we have a video from uh, our senior pastor, Pastor Andy, and I'll speak off the back of that as well and talk about uh, a bit more how that outworks here at Waterside. But it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great morning. So don't miss out. That's next Sunday. Cool. Okay. So in terms of encounters, I want to move uh, just move back into the Old Testament this morning. And to move back into... Ooh, Rachel's excited. <laughs> she likes the Old Testament, obviously. Um, going to move back to the, um, the story of Exodus and just draw some thoughts out of that and actually kind of join up the Old Testament and New Testament um, this morning. You know, because we know that, don't we? The Old Testament, the whole purpose of the Old Testament is always to point towards the need for Jesus. That's its entire purpose. Everything that happens in it, and we have to always read the Old Testament in that, in that light. It's all about the need for Jesus. And that Jesus was the coming saviour and the coming Messiah. So anyway, we're in the story, story of Exodus. Of course, you, you know the background. The Israelites had been, uh, were enslaved by the Egyptians. Well, it kind of goes right back to Joseph and Joseph being sold into slavery um, into, into Egypt. And then Joseph's parents and all his brothers 
And obviously in the music school, you know, Joseph is amazing, Technicolor Dreamcoat. <laughs> you know, but they all end up, <laughs> interesting. Um, but they all end up in, in Egypt, and then and they, and they grow over the years, and, and um, you know, the, the 12 children, uh, of course, of, um, of Jacob become the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, actually, Joseph's sons are two of them, but, and Levi isn't one, Levi is the, the priest. But anyway, slightly different, but 11 of the tribes, <laughs> but... but Majority of them become the tribes of Israel, and two of Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, are the other two. But anyway, and that's kind of what happens, and they become huge. They become huge in, in, in number and, and end up being enslaved by the, by the Egyptians because they're kind of fearful of just how powerful and huge in number, huge in number they are. It's similar to you know, what happened with Moses. And there was kind of real fear of the, fear of the Israelites and why they decided to kill all the young, the young babies, and God rescues Moses, of course. So there's kind of a similar thing that was going on in this context. And, of course, God sends the ten plagues and, and miraculously rescues Israel from, from, um, from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And they cross, um, they cross through the Red Sea and that amazing miracle as well. And on their way, on their way to, the promise, to the promised land. But they have an interesting journey in the promised land. It's kind of an up and down, up and down journey. Not because of God, because God's never up and down, right? God's completely consistent. His, his character is always predictable. We always know how God's... No, God, God isn't always predictable in everything he does. Because sometimes he does things in new and fresh ways, absolutely. But his character is always predictable, right? He's, he's not going to let you down. He's not. He's not going to. Ch- he's, he's not going to change. You know, the Bible makes it clear. Malachi three says, "I am the Lord. I do not do not change." You know, Jesus said he's the same yes, you know, yesterday, today, and, and forever, right? So God's consistent in who He is. But the Israelites had a very much an up and down journey, usually because of their own rebellion. Because um, they like one minute they'd be serving God, and the next minute <laughs> they weren't, or grumbling and complaining. But anyway. But this is kind of their journey onto the promised land, you know, the promise that had been given to Abraham hundreds of years earlier. But I just want to read from Exodus, Exodus 16, verses 1 to 5. It says this, The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert, desert of Sin. Don't we go to the desert of Sin, do you? <laughs> Whatever you do, avoid the desert of Sin. Anyway, they came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they'd come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. It's called the Desert of Sin because of this. Okay, it wasn't already called the Desert of Sin. Okay, it was renamed because of they started grumbling and moaning. In the desert, the whole community crumbled, grumbled, grumbled. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, "If only we had done." Some people are just not grateful, are they? What can you? So many, so many messages you could draw out of this, can't you? About gratitude and thankfulness. But anyway, you know, God's just done these amazing, you know, the, the, the miracles to get them out of Egypt. And here they were now complaining. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, which wasn't even true anyway. But you brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and, and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. God is incredibly patient, isn't he? That's another message in itself. <laughs> but God is incredibly patient. Yeah? You know, he's done all these amazing miracles. They start complaining, and God's like, well, I'm going to provide. This is God's just grace and compassion that you see right throughout, throughout Scripture. I'm going to rain down bread from heaven for you, and you're going to go out each day and collect it for you. I'm not going to let you die. On, on this, this journey, I'm going to provide, supernaturally provide food for you. Let's skip on to verse 10. This is Exodus 16:10. When Aaron, which of course is Moses' brother, when, while Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat. In the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. 
That evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told, for once. <laughs> the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they had measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to him, No one is to keep any of it until morning. So the Israelites, so God does this amazing miracle again. Um, despite the Israelites grumbling and complaining, there's this amazing miracle in his grace and compassion again and provides, supernaturally provides bread for them every morning. And there's very clear instructions um, you know, to only collect as much as you need for that, for that day. Don't, don't keep it until the morning. And the whole reason for that is God would provide fresh manna, fresh bread for them every single day. That was the whole purpose behind it. And the majority were obedient, but some, some were disobedient. And you kind of, if you read more into the story, you'll find that they... Someone were keeping it the next day and it got maggots in it and got infest, in, infected and certainly was not edible. Right? That was the reality of what was going on. But the whole purpose is God wanted to have, have fresh bread every day. Now, I've got a loaf of bread here. Now, have you ever eaten stale bread? Anyone ever eaten stale bread? Or you, there's a bit of bread that sometimes you... This happens in our house anyway. I don't, know, I don't know why. New loaves of bread are always getting opened when there's still bread in the bread bin. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's maybe our child, Jack. Maybe. Is the answer, he's the answer to most questions in our house. Anyway. <laughs> he's a Lisa sometimes. And sometimes us as well, of course. Anyway. And then sometimes you'll find that like, this bit of bread, like at the bottom of the bread bin, it's gone green. It's gone, does anyone else have that? It's gone green. It's gone black. It's like, how long has that been there? For like two weeks or something. This is like rock, rock hard. Um, it's, not, it's not good, is it? You know, the bread's gone beyond its, you know, edible time. You know, myself and Wendy, we were in a supermarket yesterday. I'm not going to name and shame the supermarket. And we bought this, we bought this loaf of bread. I'm not going to name and shame them, as I said. Um, and it's best, it's best before Friday. That's really bad, isn't it? Because I don't think they're supposed to do it. It's not used by, but it's best before on Friday. And it's, it's like, look, it's rock hard. It's just, it's definitely not edible. This is, this is Wendy said, that's, a, that's, that's like, this bread is, a st- we were going to buy it for the, for the family lunch. Wendy's like, that's as stale as anything. And I was like, that's great, I'll use this as an illustration tomorrow morning. So, so that's what we did. So, you know, this is rock hard. You're not going to get any, any bread out of this. I cannot, cannot break it. I can't do anything with it. You can't break it off. It's like a, it'd be like eating a brick, right? It's completely stale. So it's gone past its useful life, right? Gone past its useful purpose. I've got bread all over my notes now. <laughs> little, little bits of little flakes and crumbs have come off. Anyway. So God wanted him to have fresh manna and to have fresh bread. He didn't want them eating stale bread. Now, I want to join, now, join the Old Testament and the New Testament together. And of course, Jesus, in, in the Lord's Prayer, or what we've, Jesus didn't actually call it the Lord's Prayer. It was what kind of we've, we've termed it later. Um, Jesus was actually telling his disciples how to pray. Okay, but in what we call the Lord's Prayer, which is recorded in Matthew 6, there's a line in there that says, give us today our daily bread. Right? So what does, this actually, what does this actually mean? Well, just like it was for the, just, just physically for the Israelites, and they had this, this manna, and God didn't want it to be stale, he wanted it to be fresh bread every day. So I said, only collect as much as you need for that day. 
I don't want it to go off, I don't want it to be stale, I don't want it to go mouldy, I don't want it to be full of maggots. I want you to have fresh bread, it's food that you're going to enjoy. Right? And just in that same way, God wants to be our fresh spiritual sustenance for each and every day. God wants to be your fresh bread for each day. Give us this day, our daily, daily bread. And of course it's talking about God's provision and all sorts of things, but it's also talking about Jesus himself. You know, manna itself was also a picture of who Jesus was. Remember, all that's happening in the Old Testament is pointing to the need for Jesus or, or reflects Jesus. Or kind of there are types and shadows of Jesus right throughout the Old Testament. And Jesus himself, he describes himself as the bread of life. Doesn't he? And it's interesting, and, and, and this is recorded in John 6, there's a whole load of statements where Jesus says, I am. I am the bread of life. And there's a whole load of things that he, we've got time to look at all of those, but lists off about who he is to reveal more of who he is and his character and who he's destined to be. It was, God, it was Jesus also joining up, you know, with Jesus, where, where God said to Moses, no, I am who I am. Jesus' statement was connecting that and showing that he was, he was God. So, but we're making these big I am statements. And one of them was about the bread of life. John 6, this is John 6, verse 30 to 35. It says, so the people listening, they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors, still the, you know, those who were listening, this is what they said. Our ancestors, they ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So we've just been reading all about this. So Jesus said to them, very truly, very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I don't know if they really under, fully understood what he meant here, because often they would think Jesus was talking about physical things. Um, there's a, there's a kind of, some, of, some of the gospels are actually quite funny, isn't it? Some of the disciples' interactions with Jesus. And there's one point where, where Jesus warns them about the yeast of the Pharisees and, and about how the yeast of the Pharisees and, and, and you know, all the bad teaching that the Pharisees had, and Jesus was warning them against it. And they literally, all the disciples completely went off on one, thought Jesus was talking about bread, and they have this whole debate amongst themselves, argument amongst themselves, like, it's, it's your fault because you didn't bring any bread with you. <laughs> I don't know. They, they, had, they were clueless to what Jesus was referring to. They had no idea. It's, it's quite funny. And then Jesus then goes on to explain it, as he always had to do, <laughs> explain it to what he was talking about, the yeast of the Pharisees. Anyway, so whether they fully understood what Jesus meant yet, I don't know, because they didn't always, always get it. But anyway, they said, Sir, always give us this bread. So Jesus talked about the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, give us this bread. It's a bit like a Samaritan woman last week, wasn't it, where Jesus talked about being, being living water. And she's like, well, how can I get there? Where, where's this well? I can go get that water. She mean, again, she didn't understand she, that Jesus was talking about spiritual stuff, spiritual life. So they said, always give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You know, and that's, that's God's intention and plan for you, for you spiritually to never go hungry. Amen? And also to never be thirsty. And then talk about the, you know, the, the Holy Spirit and the waters of life and, and, and the wellspring of life and all that thing. And that would kind of be another message in itself. But whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Now skip ahead to verse 48. I missed a few verses. That again, Jesus joins us all together. John 6, verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors, they ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is a bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and may not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I would give for the life of the world. And of course, they were talking about his death that, that, was, that was coming up. And again, they didn't, even the disciples didn't really fully understand at that stage what Jesus was referring to. 
This bread is my flesh, which I would give for the life of the world. So Jesus describes him in all these I am statements. I am the bread of life. That God wants us to have, you know, God wants us to have daily bread encounters with him. God wants us to have daily bread encounters with him. You know, and too often in our Christian lives, this is kind of like the whole purpose of my message, is that, is that too often, I think, in the Christian life, we're living off stale bread. Now, what I, now, I don't mean by that that God's gone stale. Okay, Jesus has gone stale. Of course, he, of course he hasn't. Okay. But what I mean by that is, is that God wants us to continually have fresh encounters with him. Okay? God does not want you to live off a, a past encounter. Of course, there's a the huge past encounter when you were saved. Of course, there was an, an ongoing encounter with Jesus. But too often in the Christian life, we're living off past encounters. Does that make sense? Live off what God's done in the past. And that, we should celebrate that and thank God for it. Absolutely. But there's still things that God wants to do in your life. God wants you to have continual, fresh encounters with him. For, him to live out his, for you to live out his purposes and plan for your life. You know, too many of us as, as Christians, and this has been true certainly in my life as well, we're, we're like this in our relationship with God. You know, it's, just, it's rock hard, it's, it's, it's dull, it, it, it's boring. It, it, it goes, our relationship, it goes, you know, it goes stale. You can't get any goodness, goodness out of it. I've got bread going everywhere again. I'm brushing it up, apparently. Anyway. <laughs> but it, but it, that's what our relationship with God can be. It can, be, it can become a bit stale. You know, as a pastor, myself and Wendy, we've spoken to people and they, sometimes they tell us about that they feel in their relationship with God and they feel they're in, going through a bit of a wilderness experience. And I know what people mean by that. I, I, I get it. But the reality is, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, God is never the issue, right? God is never the issue. So if, if you're feeling like you're in a wilderness experience, God has not changed. He's not gone anywhere. He's not done anything wrong. He's not abandoned you. It would have to, he would have had to go against his very character to do that, right? He said he will never leave you or forsake you. He's not going to deny himself who he is. The Bible says God is not a man that he can lie. You know, as humans, we, we can lie and we can mess up and we can, we can deceive and we can say things and we say we're going to do things and don't do them. God is never, ever like that, ever. Under any circumstances, he is totally reliable, totally faithful. Amen? But too often in our Christian life, we're living off past encounters. So as we've gone through this time of prayer and fasting, and I'm sure you've had great encounters with, with Jesus and now having your life before just encourage you to keep continue to have fresh encounters with him keep seeking him keep going after his heart because he wants to continually have encounters with you over and over and over and over again through your life don't, don't, don't live today off an encounter you had 10 years ago brilliant that you had an encounter 10 years ago fantastic praise God praise the Lord for it you know, but God, God is always doing a new thing Isaiah 43 it says that we, need, we need to perceive what God does he's always doing a new thing he tells the Israelites not to focus on all the great things that he, he did when he brought them out of Egypt and all those miracles. So it was all good stuff, but Jesus, uh, sorry, God was commanding them to, to move on from that. Now don't, don't live in your past. See, I'm doing a new thing. I'm making a will, way in the wilderness and streams in, in the wasteland. It was prophesying over, over their lives what God still desired to do in them. But so often the, the Israelites, they would get stuck in that past of what God had done before. Now Jesus wants to satisfy your spiritual hunger. So you will never, ever be hungry. And it's interesting, the disciples and their encounters with Jesus, because the disciples, over and over and over again, they had fresh encounters with Jesus. And it was, that was all part of their journey, of, the, of their growth, and, and to being the people that, that God had purposed them to be. We can read about that first of all in Matthew 4, verse 8, 18 to 22 where Jesus calls some of the first disciples. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. 
Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. That's really interesting, isn't it? What must have happened there? What did they see in Jesus? So they just like, here's my business. <laughs> I'm just going to leave this behind and, and follow, follow this guy. Maybe, maybe they heard a bit about Jesus. I don't know. It isn't clear in scripture how, you know, how well known Jesus was or how famous, if that's the right word to use. You know, Jesus was at this stage. We don't know, really. But they just leave everything behind, don't they? Wow. And once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, Jesus saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat, so they were fishermen as well. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately, I didn't even have a debate about it, have a chat about it, conversation about it. Immediately, they left their boat and their father, I don't know what Zebedee was thinking in all this, they left the boat and their father and followed Jesus. So Jesus, Jesus calls them and, and draws them in and immediately they leave the business, all, all they've ever known, uh, to follow Jesus. This is their first initial encounter with Jesus. Already it's a life-changing encounter because they've totally changed the whole direction of their life. Jesus is like, I'm going to make you fisher people, make you a fisher, a fisher of men to, to reach people for me. You know, what must it have been like to be a disciple of Jesus? It must have been an interesting, you know, an interesting journey. And there's so much, of, so much of Jesus' life actually isn't written down in the Gospels, is it? Because it just would be just, just, you know, just too much to write down. But of course we have these eyewitness accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John of, of Jesus' disciples of, of kind of what was happening. And, and it must be interesting on a daily basis, right? And all the stuff that Jesus was teaching them and, and challenging them and making all their kind of the, the things they would have understood as, as, Jews, as Jews growing up. And Jesus kind of challenging their thinking and what they'd always thought was true and or what religious leaders had always taught them was true. And Jesus was challenging that. He does that, of course, in the Sermon on the Mount, doesn't he? You, you've heard it said this, but I say this. Jesus was challenging the culture of the day and the religious thinking of the day. You've, you've heard it said this. You've heard it said, you know, you can you know, love your friends and hate your enemies. No, I say something totally different. I say you've got to love your friends and love your enemies. Pray for, pray for those who persecute you. Totally countercultural, what Jesus was saying. So what must it have been like to be a disciple of Jesus? But I believe that the disciples, and this, they, they need to be an example to us, they're having fresh encounters with Jesus over and over and over and over again. Now, if a disciple has always stayed in that place where they just were looking back and thinking, oh yeah, do you remember when Jesus called us three years ago and we, we left off our nets and, and followed him? As amazing as that was, if they'd stayed in that place, they wouldn't have grown into all that God had them to be. Amen? All that God had purposed and planned for their lives. If they just stayed at that point. Jesus had continual fresh encounters with them. Here would be some examples. The transfiguration. When, we, you know, when Jesus is transfigured in its kind of glorified form, it's before the cross, but it's, and you know, they see Jesus as he kind of truly is. They have an amazing encounter there with Jesus, with, with Peter's confession, Peter's confession where Jesus asks, you know, who, do, who do people say I am? And Peter makes this great statement. Peter was very impetuous, wasn't he? He'd often say the first thing that came into his head. Sometimes that was good and sometimes it was bad. <laughs> that was the reality. That was Peter. Right? But in this case, it's, and Jesus said it had been revealed by his Father in heaven. He said, you are the Christ, the Son of, of the living God. He had a revelation of who Jesus was. He had that encounter with Jesus. But Peter walks on the water, another encounter with Jesus. Jesus, Jesus appears and walking on the water, and they're all in a, all in a boat. And they, they, they were terrified, and, and they thought Jesus was a ghost. And there probably would have been ghost stories and all that kind of stuff you know, in, those, in that day and age. And you know, people just fearful about you know, bad spirits and all that kind of stuff. So they thought Jesus was a ghost. They thought the ship was or the ship or their boat, sorry, was going down, and you know some of them were terrified. And Jesus calls them out on the water. Peter, although he had his issues, at least he was obedient and went out on the water. And the other the other disciples didn't go anywhere. 
But he had another encounter with Jesus, and Jesus does have to rescue him because Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus, starts sinking, and Jesus has to rescue him. But it's another encounter, another fresh encounter with Jesus. Jesus challenges him on why he doubted. Peter, Peter denying Jesus wasn't, wasn't a great encounter from, from Peter's point of view, but certainly, again, was life-changing. Jesus, Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him three times before the cockle crows. And after Jesus is arrested and, and taken before the Sanhedrin, kind of the, you know, the governing body, where they decided to execute him, and Peter denies him, doesn't he? And it says that Jesus looks, it says that Jesus, or, uh, I guess from a distance, but Peter, uh, Jesus looked straight at Peter, and Peter was upset. And, but there's another encounter. But it, was, but it was Jesus challenging things in his life. Now, the Last Supper, when we, we celebrated communion this morning, and what we call the Last Supper that happened on Passover, the day before Jesus, uh, Jesus died for the crucifixion. There's another encounter with Jesus. Another fresh encounter as Jesus again challenged their thinking, made it clear to them what, what he was going to do. His body was going to be broken for them. His blood was going to be shed for them. The feeding of the 5,000, an incredible, an incredible miracle that Jesus did. It must have been amazing just to be there and to see that all happen, right? The 5,000, which is 5,000 men, because women and children weren't even recorded, so it's probably about 20,000 people there. And Jesus miraculously provides for them. So having this fresh encounter with Jesus, they're having their thinking constantly changed and, and challenged about what God, was, what God could do or what Jesus could do in any situation. You know, every, every miracle, you know, disciples, disciples witnessed and wrote down Luke, Luke in the book of Luke. Um, he, was, he was a doctor, of course, and, and, and it's not coincidence that he wrote down more miracles than anyone else. There's, there's, there's far more in, in Luke than there are in Matthew and Mark. Matthew and Mark are very similar. Anyway, almost all of Mark is in Matthew. So it's assumed that Matthew used Mark as a source, plus some of his own eyewitness stuff. But Luke, Luke is quite different. There's loads of miracles, and John is written in quite a different style. But anyway, but Luke the doctor, he wrote down the miracles. It must have amazed him as a doctor, right? Just seeing this stuff over and over again. Everything he knew as a doctor, everything he'd been trained to understand of, of what medically happens in different situations, his mind has been constantly blown, right? Like Jesus, like, just healing this person, healing this blind person, healing this deaf person, then even people who were dead, coming back to life. As, as a doctor, this must have completely just, just you know, flummoxed him. Blown everything that he'd ever thought about anything, right? But these are fresh encounters. And, and then, of course, the parables, those great stories that Jesus told, were completely challenging, their, completely challenging their, their thinking about what the kingdom of God looked like, how God will leave the 99 sheep to go, to go and rescue the, rescue the one, you know, the prodigal son, the heart of God, even when people walk away, even when people, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, just forget all about their relationship with God, that he's still there waiting with open arms, this would have totally been countercultural to what they've been taught about God and who God was. That God was there waiting with, with open arms, ready to receive them back. It's desperate for them to come back. So the disciples had these continual fresh encounters with Jesus when they saw the miracles, the transfiguration, the, the Last Supper, Peter walking on the water, the feeding of the 5,000, all the incredible parables, all the interactions that the disciples saw and observed and were involved in. They had the fresh encounters with Jesus over and over and over again. And God wants that to be a reality in your life. For you to have daily bread, to have daily encounters, daily bread, fresh bread, not, lot, not live from leftovers or stale bread. So as we come out of this time of, of prayer and fasting, here's my kind of encouragement as a pastor. Don't even live off what God's done this week. Brilliant. Praise God for it. Learn from it. Allow God to continue, God continue to do what he wants to do in your life through it. Absolutely. But don't, don't live in that place. No, don't just kind of drift for the next three months saying, well, I had a great week during the week of prayer and fasting. That's, that's, not, that's not what God's desire for you, because otherwise you're doing this, right? You're just living off stale bread. I'm going to do it again. You know, you're just living off stale bread, right? It's not, it's not going to be fresh. It's not going to be everything that God wants it to be in your life. 
Let's continue to be seeking God for daily fresh encounters with him. Amen? So that God can do all that he wants us to do. He wants, us it to be full, he wants your relationship with him to be full of life. He doesn't want it to ever go stale, to, to ever go dry. He wants to be full of life and to be full of more life than it's ever been before. He does not want you to be spiritually hungry. Amen? You know, the Bible, Jesus himself said, you know, those, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. God wants you to be spiritually filled. If you're feeling spiritual, spiritually empty, the onus is on you to do something about it. See, seek after God. Seek a fresh encounter with him. He wants to bring change. He wants to change your thinking. He wants, maybe he wants to change some habits in your life. The stuff that he wants to do in you. He wants to reveal more of his character and his heart towards you. But let's be seeking God for fresh encounters. Let's never live off the past. Live off past manner. Live off past bread. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you're always seeking our fresh encounters with us. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that, Lord, that you are the bread of life. Lord, when we Lord, hunger and thirst after you, Lord, we will always be filled. Lord God, we will never go hungry again. That's what you said about yourself. Lord God, and we don't want to live off past bread or past manna. Lord, we want Lord, continual fresh encounters with you. We don't want to live even off what you did yesterday. We thank God for it, Lord, but we believe for another fresh encounter again today. Lord, challenge our thinking, Lord. Don't you deal with the disciples, Lord. In three years, you, Lord, you radically changed them. Totally changed them from who they, who they even thought they could be. These, these bunch of, of, of teenagers or maybe in their early 20s. You totally changed their life and the purpose and plan for their lives. Oh, God. In that, in that short space of time. Because of those continual fresh encounters with Jesus, with, with you, Lord Jesus. Think about in Acts, Lord, when, Lord, when, Lord, with Peter and John and, and the guy who's, Lord, who's healed and recorded in Acts 3. And the cripple that's healed and, and, Lord, when they're brought before the religious leaders, it says the religious leaders took note Lord, that, that Peter and John had been with you. They took note that they'd been with Jesus. Lord, and that, that was the effect of those fresh encounters. And even when you were back in, back in heaven, you were saying about heaven, they were continually having fresh encounters through the Holy Spirit, Lord, with you. You were changing their thinking, you were encouraging them, and you were, they were growing in their faith. They were believing you for more and more and more. Lord, we're just, Lord the New Testament just full of encounters, like Apostle Paul and those fresh encounters he had. Lord God, you totally changed his life. Lord, he was, he was killing Christians, thinking that he was doing, fulfilling your plan. And he completely changed with one huge encounter and then continual encounters, Lord God. And then he wrote most of the New Testament. Lord God, this is how you can change your life. Lord, maybe we'll be inspired by that. Lord, we pray for every single person here, Lord, for a fresh encounter with you, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. A fresh encounter. Lord, change the thinking. Reveal more of your heart. Reveal more of your character. Reveal more of who you are, Lord God. May they grow deeper, Lord, in their relationship with you. May it go deeper than they ever even thought was possible. Lord, if anyone's here, they're feeling, in the, they're feeling a bit barren, or maybe they're feeling a bit stale, or feeling their relationship with you is, is, is in a bit of a wilderness, Lord God. But you said, Lord, you can make a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I pray you just bring life in Jesus' name. To every single person that has just gone a bit off track, Lord, we'll get back on track, Lord, with you this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, that their relationship with you would just be so full of life, so full of joy, so full of hope, so full of peace, so full of forgiveness and, and redemption. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, bring fresh bread today. I pray in Jesus' name, a fresh encounter with you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.
Amen. Amen. God is good. God is so good.